Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, November 20th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Derek Van Riper's with me today, like every Monday. Um, did you have the uh, Blaine Gabbert, Ricky Seals Jones stack in any DFS lineups yesterday? It's amazing, but I did not. <laughs> I, um, we talked I about even... Gabbert on Friday. Yeah, 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 right. I mean, like it's Houston's pass defense has just been brutal, and without a pass rush, especially. They get exposed more and more. But that, even with that, I mean, come on. Blaine Gabbert doing that yep. at, at this at this point as a number three quarterback? I don't know. It, is Bruce Arians just a, a way better coach than we give him credit for? Because they've had a lot of stuff go wrong in Arizona this year with their offensive personnel. You know, Palmer and David Johnson going down is a big deal. John Brown being kind of banged up a lot. And right. They and they're four and six. They're they're still actually alive for a wild card in the NFC. I know they lost yesterday, yeah. but they they didn't get completely destroyed in a road game playing their number three quarterback, which increasingly I am kind of impressed by. Uh, I'm too, and I yeah I think I think it seems like he's a pretty good coach. And I, I know a lot of people do like him. Um, they liked him more two years ago when they were you know thirteen and three or fourteen and two, whatever they were. But um, 
Yeah. Gabbard's, the thing is, should Gabbard have been the number three or the number two, you know? And I wonder, because there's, there's, there seems to be increasing evidence that Gabbard is not that bad. You know, when you see him, when he gets chances now, you, we used to look at him and say, oh, he's the worst quarterback ever. And it's because he was drafted so high. But now you look at him and you go, oh, actually, he's somewhat competent. If, you know, if your team lost your quarterback and he came in, it wouldn't be the end of the world like it would be for, say, the Packers. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, if if the Packers had Blaine Gabbert right now, they may have actually beat the Ravens yesterday. Right. That's not that's not a ridiculous statement. Uh, if you watch the game, it's a ridiculous statement if you didn't, because you're looking at it, you're like 23 nothing. What what are you talking about? DVR? It's like three picks. That's that's a big part of it. Um, it it's just it's it's a, what a, a lot of teams deal with this. A lot of fans, a lot of fantasy players out there when they watch their favorite team they deal with bad quarterback play i mean ravens fans deal with joe flacco he's their starter he's their guy he's the guy that they signed to a giant contract you as a giants fan watch late career eli manning that's not as bad as having to watch flacco but it's kind of similar at this stage and then there's a whole bunch of quarterbacks below that line i mean this year flacco's been awful so there's not much worse but uh, Brett Hundley, unfortunately, is overmatched. Now, I, I don't know how much of that is McCarthy as a head coach, maybe getting exposed by not having Aaron Rodgers. How much of that is their running game being pretty quiet yesterday? Jamal Williams got a bunch of carries and had a long run of eight yards. I mean, the Ravens have been uh, better against the run I think since Brandon Williams got healthy. So that's that's kind of a, a big difference for them up front. But you look at this this setup right now and you could see the Packers is a team that despite a lot of success over the last 10 years or 12 years, it's been a while since they, they made that switch to McCarthy. This is one of those little windows where they can make changes. And I don't think it's just him. I think it's Ted Thompson too, in the GM spot. I think they'd both potentially be gone and uh, replaced. And it, it might not be a bad thing to get one more shot with a different front office head coach combination while you still have Aaron Rodgers. Right. All right. Sorry, Packers fans. I mean, they're rubbing your noses in anything, but, you know, it is what it is today. Everybody, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhelpin 37 You can also find us at Rotowire. Get the news feed at Rotowire NFL and uh, find us on Facebook. There's your social media housekeeping. Now let's get to the Sunday action. Lions-Bears. Uh, close game. Uh, what, a, oof, what a pathetic field goal effort at the end, first of all. Oof. Yeah. Uh, the kicking games around the league seem a little worse than usual don't they it seems like it uh, you know and that's totally anecdotal but yes it seems like it I mean, we could we could look up league-wide conversion rates and things like that and, and the longer extra point i think has brought more attention to kickers because we see missed extra points happen now we didn't used to see those so that's a factor as well but yeah i i mean the, the bears when they play well they can like hang with just about anybody and this is a stark contrast to what they did against the Packers. I mean, it's amazing to me after watching the Packers play the Ravens at home yesterday that the Bears lost to the Packers in Chicago last week. That that blows my mind. Right. Yeah. I, yes. I, I, I was surprised too because the Bears last week, as we talked about, the Bears have been pretty good at home. Even when they lose, they lose close. And they've been good against good teams. So, yeah, that game last week just seemed like a, you know, I mean, there was some bad luck involved, certainly. But... I don't know. Yeah, I mean the 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 just the challenge that turned into a turnover 
ended up being huge. Right. Really, like, in that game, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Lions, they come back, they they get it done after a slow start. They were down ten nothing at the end of the first quarter, had a lead by halftime, and and held on. They still can't run the ball, and I, I wonder like why they even bother at this point. I mean, Theo Riddick <laughs> actually had almost double the per carry average of Amir Abdullah yesterday, but I don't think we can read too much into that. I don't know if it's an Abdullah problem either, or if it's just a run blocking issue. Maybe it's 50 50 as far as where the blame should go on that. But Stafford played pretty well. I mean, 9.6 YPA, a couple TDs, no picks, uh, lost a fumble, but otherwise was, was pretty good. And, and Marvin Jones got back on track. This is a, a surprising development for me in that I thought golden Tate would go like five for 70 and maybe score. But the Bears keep doing a pretty good job on teams' number one receivers. It's a trend that we hadn't really talked a lot about throughout this season. It was something that Vlad Sedler pointed out to me on the, the Wednesday uh, DFS episode last week. So as we look at matchups against the Bears down the stretch, maybe we got to be a little more careful with um, you know teams that have kind of mid-tier number one receivers. I mean, Golden Tate's a good player, right? but he's not a, a top 10 fantasy guy, top 15 fantasy guy. He's kind of on the, the outside looking in at that group. So players like that might be most susceptible to getting shut down by the bears. And, and Tate also seems to have issues on slower tracks. You know, he's away mm-hmm. from home or out of a dome or whatever that, that the numbers just aren't as good. Two other, two other things I want to point out in this game. Eric Ebron's got a little bit of a pulse here. Um, not that I'm being biased. Well, maybe I am, but seven targets, four for 49. We can live with that. If we're streaming sometimes he's, he's not, He's not dead to us like he probably was three weeks ago. Is that fair? Yeah, he died and, and came back, or maybe he was never dead in this particular case. But it, look, it, it's it's weird to me. It, he's 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 big. He's fast. He, he's a talented guy. So I don't know if they were frustrated with him to the point of the coaches just saying, you know what, we're going to play Darren Fells because. <laughs> We just we just want to show you that we'll bench you if you're not playing well. I, I don't know if that's what it was. I don't remember any stories popping up at the time about him having any like notable dust ups with Jim Caldwell no. or Jim Bob Cooter or anything like that. There were trade rumors, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just because former first round pick disappointing. I, I think that's just like a, that's a formula. That's a template for for writing trade rumors articles in the NFL. Right. Like wh- wh- where's a first round pick who hasn't done what they expected? Oh, let's let's trade that guy to somebody in this article. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's what they do. But uh, TJ Jones getting five targets, you know, that's kind of a, a, a thing that chips away at the the value of Kenny Galladay. You know, I think they throw to TJ Jones just enough where Galladay is going to have a hard time doing what he was doing uh, in that opener again, because he's he's got Tate there. He's got Jones there, Marvin Jones and TJ Jones. So it's kind of a four to five man group that Stafford's throwing to plus any running back targets, which they were kind of light on yesterday. All right. The other one, um, the guy who also has a pulse is Terry Cohen. Uh, it sounds I think I read last night that Jordan Howard was nicked up for a little while and that might have contributed. But Cohen, nine for 44 and a touchdown on the ground, four catches for 15 yards. That's kind of what we saw in the first four weeks and we were all excited. And then he dropped off the face of the earth. And I, I hesitate to to buy into this right now. I mean, not that the, I was going to buy big, but even small, I'm kind of like, no, I don't think I'm, 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 I'm a believer at all. Yeah, if you pick them up, they're at Philadelphia next week. 
you could see the game script maybe forcing the Bears to yeah. throw more than they want in that one. And then the week after that, they get the Niners at home. So that's a spot where he could do some damage. Uh, and then Bengals on the road, Lions on the road, Browns at home in week 16. So maybe a flex option if you make the fantasy championship, depending on what else you have and injuries and all that. I mean, I'd I'd still be nervous about it because the usage can fluctuate quite a bit uh, for a player like that. And the weird thing was, and it's trending in the right direction now. I know like after four or five games, his per catch average yardage wise was really low for a player with big playability. Uh, I know he may have fixed that with that long TD he caught a couple weeks ago, but yeah, Tariq Cohen at least uh, ticking up to be rosterable again after a two week stretch where it looked like you really didn't want him anywhere near your roster. All right, we're going to go to Jags-Browns. Um, D.D. Westbrook did not get 200 yards, as predicted. He got 35. Sorry. Mm. Um, shockingly, he wasn't a superstar right off the... Shockingly, Blake Bortles' second wide receiver was not a superstar right out of this shoot. That's a big surprise. Amazing. And conditions were pretty poor yeah. for throwing. As, as I think we may have discussed it on Friday. It, was, it, it turned out to be about as bad as, as we figured it could be. Uh, where does the D.D. Westbrook hype originate? Do you, do you know, know like like who who really got on that plan like from day one was like, you know what? Bortles is going to make this fourth round rookie receiver good. I mean, yeah, he's he's six feet tall, 178. So he's kind of a burner, right? Like that's that's the people couldn't wait for him to come back. I, why, though? Like, I, I just I don't I never I never understood it. Like I, I mean, he might be a good player next year or two years from now. I, I, it's totally possible. And it's. It is kind of impressive, actually, that he got six targets in his first game. That that gives you an idea that Jags like him quite a bit. Um, and maybe like people liked him before they lost Allen Robinson. Right. Like, that was the weird thing about it. I thought well, I got Allen Robinson, Marquise Lee, Allen Hearns. I just don't see a path barring some injuries. Like, yeah, four, three, seven speeds. Awesome. But why did he go in the fourth round then? Like, I, I, I just don't like, character concerns, I guess, were part of it. I mean, so that's that's always so vague. Like, well, what did he do? Like, don't don't write character concerns in your scouting report. Write down the thing that he got in trouble for. <laughs> right. Why do we have to do that? Why? That, that could be any that could be such a wide range of things with an NFL player. Yeah, I agree. Did did he get caught drinking under age? Was he pulled over in a vehicle with with marijuana? It, it, was there? A, I mean, like, it is, well, like if, if you just read Tyreek Hill's thing and it said character concerns, you'd be like, oh, OK, well, maybe he was just, you know, late for stuff a lot. Right. Nope. <laughs> that wasn't it. So I just want to know what like, I don't have all these things memorized. So it's just I hate when that's what the scouting report says. Right. And but then again, it doesn't matter to teams if they if the team drafted him, the team likes him enough to have him on the team. And supposedly like Tyreek, domestic violence, domestic violence complaints or arrests. Sorry. So, okay. So the people are excited about the production though, because yeah, yes. at Oklahoma last year, 80 catches, 1,524 yards, 17 TDs, mm-hmm. pretty ridiculous numbers for a receiver in college. So, all right. I mean, I, I get it. I, I get it from a, a talent standpoint, but it's, it's still Blake Bortles throwing him passes. If we're, if we're just going to put the character concerns in a box, throw the box into the bed and forget about it. He's still a receiver on the Jags and Blake Bortles is pretty bad yes he is um otherwise in this Fournette 
was a odd one over the weekend because there were rumors that he might not play. Turns out they tested him before the game. He was active. He went 28 for 111, which is you can live with that, certainly. Um, however, he said later the, his ankle is going to be an issue all year long. So take that for whatever you want. Basically, you hear that and you look at 28 for 111 and you shrug your shoulders and go, OK, it's fine. Um, Corey Coleman had a nice little comeback game. Six for 80 on 11 targets. Uh, I think Corey Coleman is is a guy you're going to. If if you can still get him in whatever league, which I bet you can in a lot, you're you're going to want to pick him up because you know I mean I know he's the best in a bad situation, which isn't always great because you got a bad quarterback. But um, Corey Coleman's pretty good. Yeah, I kind of wonder what that's going to look like volume wise uh, once Josh Gordon's back. So not this week, week twelve, but week thirteen, Josh Gordon is eligible to play again. Right. So yeah, that will be interesting when that happens. Um, otherwise, in this game, weird cover at the end. Because the Browns are down by a score, and they fu- and Kaiser got sacked, and they recovered the fumble in the end zone. <laughs> Actually, they were down six, if I remember right, and that's what happened. So yeah, it was rough. Actually, what here's what happened: with with a few minutes left, the Browns were sort of driving, and Kaiser got sacked and fumbled, and the Jags picked it up and ran it for a touchdown, but the whistle had blown. And then they reversed it and said, all right, the whistle wasn't, you know, he wasn't down, so it's Jags ball. It would have been a touchdown. And if you had the Jags, you're like, oh, no, I just got screwed. And then the Jags got the ball and then, and then the, got, gave it back to the Browns. And then Kaiser got sacked and fumbled again. And they recovered in the end zone. So they got their defensive touchdown. It was very yeah. weird. It was, t- it was so Browns. But they delivered. The Jags defense delivered Oof, even at their expensive DFS price. Really, they really did. I mean, it was a predictable one, but yeah, they delivered. Um, Ravens Packers, which we started talking about already. You said last week when we were talking about Jamal Williams, you said desperation play. And the volume was there. 18 for 57 on the ground without a score. Um, The interesting one, I guess, because he was the last man there, he he actually caught four passes, which if you're in a PPR league, he, he probably worked out okay for you. Yeah, I mean, it was okay in PPR, and it was even passable as like an RB2 or a flex in a non-PPR league if you didn't really have much for alternatives because 22 touches tends to go a pretty long way. Uh, and Devontae Mays fumbled lo- fumbled twice, lost one. I think that was his first carry of the game, if I'm not mistaken. So that makes it even harder for a guy like Mays to push his way into the workload. I mean, that's the worst possible way to endear yourself to the coaching staff, cough up a fumble right away. This was ugly. I mean, I I was sitting there watching this game having pretty existential thoughts like what am I doing with this? Like this is <laughs> this is 3 hours of life just just <laughs> given away. Just gone. Like I and I I didn't I kind of just sat there and didn't react. I was like I could change the channel right now, but I'm already committed to this. And at the time, it was still just like 13 nothing. It was a two possession game. I thought, well, you know what? Brett Hundley made a couple nice throws against the Bears. Maybe it's going to happen. Thought, oh, Brett Hundley looked okay on that first drive until he made one really bad decision at the end of it and threw a pick in the end zone. Right. Maybe he'll get it right. And nope, it, it didn't. It didn't happen. The Devontae Adams thing is is still nice. I mean, Adams still gets a lot of targets, but Jordy Nelson's had pretty much every game since Aaron Rodgers got hurt has had like four fantasy points or less. Yep. Jordy Nelson's been unstart, uh, unstartable. That's not even the right description. He's been a guy you shouldn't have been starting who you probably were starting, like self-included. 
I just keep thinking, all right, he'll, he'll at least catch like four balls for 50 yards. And once in a while, he'll score. He's Jordy Nelson is the argument. That's it. Yeah. Come he's on. He's not Jordy Nelson anymore. Like, like well, he's, he's still Jordy Nelson, but the Jordy Nelson you, uh, you want doesn't work here anymore. I mean, yeah. he, he needs Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, shock. Like, it, it makes a big difference. It's, it, it's a big drop off. So, yeah, they seem pretty committed to just letting this be the model until Rodgers tries to come back maybe at the end of the season. But by then, there may be no reason for him to come back. Yeah, this was a game like they needed to win. Right. If, if they're going to stay afloat, this is a t- this is a game you have to win. Agreed. Now they go on the road to play Pittsburgh. They're going to get just smashed in Pittsburgh. It's going to be just an embarrassing game. That's a Sunday night game, I believe, too. Oof. So, right. I mean, that's going to be a nice little homecoming for McCarthy. <laughs> he, they, the defense, I thought, actually played pretty well yesterday. They were on the field a lot, and mm-hmm. they were often in situations uh, offensively where they had a short field. So lots of things went wrong, and I still think a lot of it falls on GM, head coach, and uh, changes maybe maybe coming. All right, other side of this one. Uh, Alex Collins wasn't especially productive, but he did score a touchdown, which helped. Um, and as I think we talked about on Friday, Danny Woodhead didn't really do a heck of a lot, but he may have killed Buck Allen. Because now he's sharing the snaps, by the way. Uh, 38 for Collins, 13 for Woodhead, 10 for Buck Allen, which makes, if if it stays that way, it makes both Woodhead and Allen completely unusable. And it's totally possible that Woodhead's just being eased in and he'll get those Allen snaps soon enough. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, But yeah, Collins' line is just, it's a reminder, like the Packers run defense isn't bad. Like it's, it's actually a pretty good run defense and 20 carries 49 yards of TD, but he caught four for 22. So the yardage got bumped up a little bit by that. Uh, I think he's the only playable Ravens running back for now. Woodhead maybe in full PPR by the end of the year can creep into that level, but I, I wouldn't want to play him right now. I also don't want to play any of their, their pass catchers. I mean, I thought Macklin was the better play this week. I uh, got more targets than Wallace, but Wallace scored I guess if you put that TD on Macklin, then you feel okay about it. But what a what a dumpster fire of a team to watch. Like if you're a Ravens fan who watched this game, you're, you know, you're happy your team won and you're, you're still in the, the mix for a playoff spot. But to win 23, nothing and then to have watched that, I still don't feel like you actually won that much. Right. It's it's you look and you you, you saw your team's flaws, basically, even though you won. Yeah. Like you, you know, there's like, not that bright of a future in January for this team. It's just they, they they can't win a playoff game, right? I don't think. I mean, their defense would have to play out of their minds. And they would have to play. You know what? The thing is, though, I, I wouldn't bet them to win a playoff game. But they could beat a team like the Jags. Like, I right. think the Jags are better, but... The Jags could have a completely inept offensive day and Bortles could screw up and the Ravens are good enough to make Bortles screw up. And I think they could capitalize on that. So that that's the kind of team I think they could be. As, as long as they don't play them in London again, right. I think you're right. <laughs> right. What about no, the no Chiefs? Team, no. Could they beat uh, the Chiefs? I don't know. Chiefs are beatable. The, the current iteration of the Chiefs. Yeah. If, if Kareem Hunt's not going to get heavy volume, then anything's possible. Right. Titans. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's what it comes down to, right? If if the if the team that wins the AFC South is the three seed and the Ravens get in as the six, yeah, you don't really trust anybody in the AFC South in that situation so much that you'd say it's impossible that the Ravens would win. But I, I just I don't know. I guess for I've seen the Packers get shut out. I think twice in my lifetime now, and I've seen other teams get shut out before. And usually, I'm kind of impressed by the team that that does it. But offensively, the Ravens, I'm just like, how how is this acceptable every week? How do they how do they have five wins? <laughs> right. I have no. How do they have five wins after losing to the Bears at home? They have three shutout wins. So I think they can win a playoff game. I, I'm talking yeah. myself into it right now. Yep. See, you're talking I mean, yourself they, into it. You're trying to forget Joe Flacco. You're talking yourself into it. Yeah. You just discount him. Look at the defense. I mean, they, they shut out the Bengals on the road in week one. That's pretty awesome. Dolphins. Wow. Like that, that team's a awful, awful team right now, but then shut out the Packers at Lambeau. Yeah, I know it was Brett Hundley, but come on. Like that's still actually sort of impressive. Yep. Uh, all right. Cardinals, Texans. Um, let's see what we got here. We talked about Gabbert and Ricky Seals Jones, which was interesting. Um, Bruce Ellington, Bruce Ellington was a trendy wide receiver last week because a, he was the Texans number two and B the, there had been some success targeting the number two going against the Cardinals, the the basically non Patrick Peterson receiver, Bruce Ellington, six for 63, Sort of stays in the mix as a guy you can use sometimes. Yep. He's got, uh, what, 23 targets now over his last three games. So yep. he's been pretty heavily involved. So it's okay. So here's the thing I was thinking about yesterday. One of the, one of the many things. Tom Savage, uh, you know, doesn't look terrible right now. Doesn't look like the way he did in week one. And in week one, we didn't realize how good the Jags defense was. It was, right. it was the young defense that we all thought could be better. But we didn't know like what level they were going to reach. And they've they've been probably better than I think even the optimistic projections would have had for them. And I remember a few weeks ago on this pod, maybe even more than a few weeks ago, kind of crushing Bill O'Brien for saying by saying, hey, you know, why? Why did he think Deshaun Watson wasn't better than Tom Savage? It's entirely possible Watson didn't look good in that first game either. The Jags defense is, right. is good. That, that's that's what it is. It's entirely possible that in practice it it wasn't as much of a gap as it was like when when we saw Watson come back in week two and three and four and start to like put it together. I don't know. Like if Savage had started those games, I don't think he would have played at Watson's level because I don't think he has Watson's talent. But the gap may not have been as wide as we thought based on the little bit of Tom Savage we saw against Jacksonville in week one. That, yep. That's all I'm trying to say. I, I'm with you. I, I think that's fair. Um, there's a temptation on the Texan side of things here to look at their running game and look at Deontay Foreman, who got two touchdowns, and get all excited. They, okay, Lamar Miller, 22 for 61 on the ground. Foreman, 10 for 65 and two. So the workload's in favor of Miller. Snaps, Miller, 52. Foreman, 18. I, I, I am still I would like to keep Foreman on my bench if I had him somewhere and hope that this changes. But I don't think it changes. I don't I, I think we're status quo here, even with the production by Foreman. Do you agree? Yeah, I don't think a whole lot has changed based on usage. I mean, I think the efficiency difference puts Miller in a spot where things could become more balanced. And 
if they don't want to put too much on Tom Savage, which is a good idea, regardless of, you know, how how right or wrong Bill O'Brien was for starting him back in week one, he has to start him right now. If you can get the running game going with those two guys, run it 35 to 40 times a game, and that's your recipe, like, that's fine. Do that. I mean, they ran it 32 times yesterday. They won by 10. So I think keeping their defense off the field, you know, just being kind of a slow tempo, chunk off yardage, move it down the field, keep the ball as long as you can. That's actually a pretty good model for them just to stay afloat. I think the really interesting thing about Deonta Foreman is that he's been catching some passes. Yep. I mean, three targets, three catches, 15 yards. If, if he's showing us he can do that as we move through the rest of this season and Lamar Miller is cut or traded out of the picture in, in 2018 by some means, get Watson back from the ACL. How aggressive are people going to be with Deonta Foreman? Yep. Is he going to be going like round four, round five, round six of 12 team leagues in terms of his ADP next year? Is, is he still going to be priced in a way that's appropriate or is he going to get priced through the roof to where there's no room to do well if you draft him? He's going to get priced through the roof because, he, I mean, if you think about Joe Mixon getting drafted in the third round in a bunch of cases this year, uh, I think Foreman would go up. If Miller was out of the picture, Foreman would be up. I mean, second maybe? Why not? I could totally see that. Man, that, I mean, that, that's... I, I mean, I could see it being that, too, Like it, by the end of draft season. I don't know if he'd really start there, even if Miller was released, I don't know, in March or something like that. I think it would take him a little time to get up there. I mean, Lamar Miller was going as a top 30 player right. in the league. So you would assume, at the very least, he would just slot in up in that area where he'd be at least on the 2-3 turn and gone by the middle of round three at the latest if, if if people liked Foreman as a talent more than they liked Miller coming to the season and then Foreman has the job to himself going into the next season, it's going to be a pretty big jump. It really is. Um, last guy I want to talk about is Adrian Peterson. Okay, five games as a Cardinal. Yards per carry. 5.2, 1.9, 4.3, 1.4, 1.9. This guy, is a, he is a scary proposition because... You almost have to play the volume, right? If you have him, you look at him and you go, the guy's going to get 15 to 20 carries. I have to start it. And you might get yesterday or the week before, or you might get the week before that where he ran for 150-something yards. However, coming up, home, three in a row at home for against Jags, Rams, Titans. And then he's at Washington at the, and home for the Giants. I mean, the Jags run defense, not as good as pass defense, but still pretty darn good. Rams pretty darn good. Next two weeks, if you're going for the playoffs and you have Adrian Peterson, you, you got you got. I don't know what a kind of dilemma you have based on your roster, but I, it's it's going to be tough because you look at that guy and you go, he I think I have to play him and I think he might completely torpedo my chances. Yeah, it's not a good spot to be in because that that volume does make you feel as though. Sitting the player is a mistake. I, I, I don't know what to make of it. Cause I, I didn't think he had the big games in him anymore. Right. I just didn't think that was going to happen. And I think that's kind of going to skew people's judgment because, you know, you, you show them with these skills and you're like, oh, OK, well, 100 yard games are still possible. I mean, the first game that he played against the Bucks, that was just different because 
he had been kind of underused and was fresh, right? Like, and, and the Tampa right. Bay defense is pretty soft. So had a little chip on his shoulder that day, ran a little harder, maybe. I mean, I don't, I think he always runs hard, but <laughs> I don't know. I, it just, it was bizarre. And I thought, oh, this is really weird. Like maybe, maybe he's back. Maybe I was just dead wrong about what's left for him talent wise. The Rams game happens. You're like, no, okay. I was right. Niners game happens. Okay. Maybe I was wrong. And then two more games, Seattle, Houston, and you're looking at it going, okay, he's done. He has to be done. Right. Is he just extremely matchup dependent? I, even that doesn't really explain it for me. It seems like there's more to it. It's, it's so, the disparity is so big. Yeah. I mean, you've got three games in the 20s. Three out of these five is yardage is in the 20s. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm so glad I don't own him. Yeah, um, it, it should, I don't have him anywhere either. It should be like 14 carries should be like 48 yards. And then if he catches a couple passes, it'd almost be like a Jamal Williams line. Like that's, that's what you should get with that kind of volume. Right. 70 to 80 yards from scrimmage. If you touch the ball almost 20 times, like that's not a ridiculous baseline expectation. He's falling short of that. Yep. All right. Bucks dolphins. Uh, I had Cutler in a DFS line. If I did a Cutler Landry and Cutler got hurt, had the concussion, um, which is big bummer. I mean, he threw three picks, so it's not like he was awesome, but, um, that was a bummer. Uh, the running backs, Again, you're looking at the box score, you tend to think Damien Williams, hey, he's the guy. Well, Drake outsnapped him, so just keep an eye on that. This is not maybe, maybe the usage changes because of the way Damien Williams played. But, um, and plus, and, and again, sorry, th- there was a big long, you know, 10 for 78, but one of the carries was 69 yards. So, you know, there's some th- weirdness there. Um, the other one I want to talk about, speaking of volume, that we talked about with Peterson, the Doug Martin thing is just not, it's another one. He carries all 19 times. You go, well, I mean, that's something, but it's not enough. And, and the bad side of that just keeps happening if you own Doug Martin. Yeah, I thought this was a chance where you could throw him out there in DFS and do well. And clearly, no. I mean, it, it's just not happening for him. Uh, the Bucks get the win. They stay alive in the playoff race. What do they do at running back like, with the carries is, is it Peyton Barber? I think you and I talked about it before. Is this finally the time where they decide we're going to try something different or do they just keep running Doug Martin out there hoping to get a different result? Well, this is the, the, uh, the one thing that I'm not going to claim to know is Doug Martin, a good pass blocker. I don't know. You know what I mean? So there, there I mean, there's other factors here. There's trust factors, things like that. Like I would think, well, Jaquiz Rogers is not going to be an upgrade. Right. Sims is a pass catcher. So Barber would be Barber would be the alternative, you would think. And I don't know what you try. And also, to to be honest, right now, you're looking at them and you're going, well, now they're up to four and six. So they won two in a row. You know, do they need to make huge changes? Do they need to say, oh, we got to change this up because it's not working? I don't know if they will. I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs most likely. I mean, especially Seattle wins tonight. Everybody in the NFC is just, you know, they're kidding themselves. If they're going to catch up, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, you know, right now you're looking going, Oh, maybe we got a little bit of a good thing going, even if Martin's not running well, I don't know. I'm not sure they have an NFL starting caliber running back on the roster right now. Like, yeah. I, I think they, they just a bunch of guys that are role guys at this point. And they're going to be one of the teams that drafts the back early or, or gets one in free agency in the off season. Right. So, all right. Sorry, Doug Martin owners. We, we don't know what to tell you here. But we do know to tell you that he is playing at Arizona 
this week and at Green Bay the week after. I don't know if you've got any relief coming there. Doesn't seem like it. No. Um, Rams Vikings. Well, we talked about it. I mean, you were pretty convinced it was going to be a, a defensive game and you were right. You know, that was just, it, it wasn't, I think the over under was 46 and we both kind of looked and you especially said, what, what are they talking about? <laughs> and, and this game was seven, seven till the fourth quarter. So it was pretty low. Um, the team Latavius baby. He, that guy is just, he is getting it done. He, for any fantasy owners picked him up, he is just getting it done. Latavius Murray is reminder number 1,437,222 that I just don't know what's going to happen in the NFL. Like it, I, I don't understand his path this year whatsoever. And there was a stretch of like four games where Jarek McKinnon on three occasions was a top five running back. Right. Like it, it goofy, like the, just so, so productive that it, it made sense to just keep giving him touches because it was, it was working. And then it's just here that we are Latavius Murray, you know, instead. And then the stretch I'm referring to is the bears game where he went for like 146 and a TD from yep. scrimmage. There was the week after that against the Packers, 99 and two TDs uh, Ravens game, a little quiet, but 17 touches. And then the Browns, 122 and a score there. I mean, like that that stretch from Jarek McKinnon had me thinking, all right, he's the guy. And I think Latavius Murray had a TD run against the Browns in that game where he had pretty good burst. And we talked about it that Monday and it was like Latavius Murray looked kind of good scoring on that play. Mm-hmm. And my reaction was something like that's the Browns. It was it was late <laughs> in the game and it was it was just, you know, running clock time basically is what it was was down to. And McKinnon, you know, got Slowed up by Washington, held in check by the Rams, and here's here's Latavius Murray on none of my teams putting up big numbers, helping other people win titles. Yep. He's been great. He's got the past five games. We keep talking about the volume. He has been 15 carries or more for five straight games. You know, basically, there was since Dalvin Cook went down, carry numbers from Murray, 12, 15, 18, 19, 17, 15. He's got four touchdowns in that span. And I guess of the last last four games, three of them have been pretty solid. So, I mean, he's starting for it. The thing is, they've got a weird... They're going on the road for three weeks in a row right now. They're playing at Detroit on Thursday, which I'm looking forward to that game. Then they're going to Atlanta and to Carolina. So those are not easy roads for Murray. But he's, he's on a team with an offense that's solid, not great, but, you know, solid. And that's which is surprising considering what we all thought of the thought of the quarterback. Um, the offensive line seems to have gotten better. So they're a team that gets in the red zone, and he's the guy who runs when he's close to the goal line. I mean, you know, there's a there's a logical path for him to score every week. Yeah, it, it just it makes a lot of sense. They got a guy in Adam Thielen who's looking like a top ten receiver. Stephon Diggs is a very good player as well. I mean, Mike Zimmer should get more credit for for what he's done. I think some people are going to look at it and say, well, the Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Doesn't matter. They they only played him once so far this year. They're eight and two. Right. I mean, if they would have lost that game, they'd be seven and three and still in the mix for the playoffs after losing Delvin Cook, playing with their backup quarterback. I mean, it's it's pretty, pretty amazing what they've what they've been able to do this year. How many jokes do you think Adam Thielen gets about playing for Hayden Fox in college? A lot. (laughs) Probably a lot. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
I, I, I could, would assume like, yeah, I, I would assume like in columns, podcasts and, and radio shows combined. Right. At least one per week. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. Hey, he's so good. I, I, I coming into it because I remember last year I had this running joke um, with, with Ryan Fowler about how every week I'd underrate Thielen. Every week I'd go, oh, Thielen had another great game. He went seven for 80. Let me rank him 39. And I would do it all the time. And every week I'd look stupid and I just couldn't get, I couldn't get myself over that I didn't think this guy was good enough. And he's just, he's terrific. Yeah, but then, then you had a stretch at the beginning of this season as the big game against the Saints and doesn't score for four straight games after that. I think it's short of, of 10 fantasy points in non-PPR leagues, no more than five catches in a game, single-digit targets, week in, week out, four straight. So you, you're kind of like, oh, maybe, maybe I got him right, and then he goes off again for a stretch. Like It's just it's fantasy football. It's what it is. Right. All right. Everybody, FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. New contest starting every week with no busted seasons. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar. You just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. And I, did I have feeling in my, I had a pretty good lineup. I did a $5 tournament, a $5 single entry, and I wound up winning 15. So, you know, hey, I didn't make it get anybody rich here but or myself, but I did okay. P. Ryan was the guy. Who, who I was right on. He was 0.5% ownership. And he had 117 in the touchdown. I was pretty proud of that one. I liked that. That was my favorite pick of the week. He was only 5,400. Yeah, that was, that was a good call uh, on your part. I was worried about the game script. You know, I, I thought yep. a Rob Kelly usage and them playing from behind would be bad. And they, they made that game Thompson, a not lot Rob more Kelly. interesting. Right. No, I, I, I thought it would be like, a Rob Kelly role though for where Thompson would get on the field a lot because they were behind and then it'd be like 10 or 12 carries and like no catches for P Ryan. And it, it didn't play out that way. Obviously the uh, saints rallied back to win that one, but for a good chunk of yesterday's game, I thought Washington was going to pull off that upset. I did too. They really blew that. And there's an, there's an intentional grounding call that was just it was very shaky. Very, very shaky by the refs. Um, yeah, I felt bad for the Redskins. And I was be, being down here and, you know, following the Panthers, I was actually rooting for the Redskins pretty hard there. And that didn't work out. Um, oh, all right. Everybody, over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel uh, like I did yesterday. So two and a half million and, uh, and one. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You get a free synth six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than a million in cash prizes. And that's with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Thanks, FanDuel. And thanks for the good contest for me yesterday. Chiefs Giants. How about those Giants? Holy moly. My kids were going bananas. It was great. Yeah. I mean, the weather... The weather leveled, I would think the weather leveled the playing field. Now, the Chiefs, I, I'm never going to fully believe in the Chiefs again. No. Never? Because at 5-0, I, I, I said, you know what? At this point, we, had to, we have to believe now. and We have to believe they're a legit Super Bowl contender. And I forgot that four years ago, they were 9-0, and and they just fell off the face of the earth after that. So, I mean, I think they're good. But next, if they go 5-0 and again, people go, oh, aren't they the best team in the NFL? I'm going to go, I, I have no idea. I mean, they've, they've lost to the Steelers, Raiders, Cowboys, and Giants in yeah. this stretch. Raiders, eh, right? 
it was at Oakland. The Steelers in that week, I think, were coming off a pretty bad loss. So for them to go into Arrowhead and grind one out wasn't a, a big surprise at the time. And the game where I think when you look back, that maybe will be the turning point in their season was the loss at Dallas. I mean, that was a game that they should have done a lot more. And you take away that that fluky TD before halftime when the Dallas defense decided to kind of take a nap, it would have been even more lopsided. So, yeah, the, the what's wrong with the Chiefs stories will be kind of here and there over the course of, of this week. And they get the Bills, the Jets, the Raiders at home, the Chargers, the Dolphins and the Broncos. See them going at least three and three down the stretch. That right. gives them nine, but four and two is not out of the question. So they could still, they could still win ten. They're still in first place right now in the AFC West. I, I'm hearing some buzz, and by buzz I mean I heard Tony Dungy say something about the Chargers, uh, but other people too are saying it. I mean, we're not giving up on the Chargers yet. Uh, so we've been talking like about that for weeks, right? Yeah, like it's it's not just here. Like I'm I'm starting to see and hear other people suggesting that the Chargers are are not done. Yeah, I think that Jags loss was a real kill. It really hurt. Basically, it cut out their margin for error. But, yeah, I, I can see it. Sure. Um, all right. So the Chiefs, so they're 6-4. and four. They're, they're two games ahead in the NFC West, AFC West. And they're right where we talked about this before the season. About they drafted Mahomes with what was it the tenth or the twelfth pick I forget one of one of them, mm-hmm. and we said what if they're in 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 sort of a no man's land where they're they're not really good but they're not bad, so you drafted this quarterback with a top twelve pick, and you can't switch. Like I, I get that you know I I would bet any amount of money that Alex Smith is better than Patrick Mahomes right now. Right. Alex Smith's fine. He's having a really good year. But they drafted this guy. You're like, they can't use him. So they're going to wait till next year. It's, a, it's just weird. I don't think I'm advocating they use him. I just it, it's weird that I think they're at this point where we pretty much knew they were going to get to because they're the Chiefs and they're not going to be nine and one and they're not going to be three and seven. They're going to be two games over. They're going to be six and four after 10 games. And they're, they're just good enough to not want to change their quarterback. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in. But you also don't want to make that call too soon and and have it go completely wrong. But I think the the value of having your next quarterback already on your roster gets a little bit overlooked. Most teams don't have that. Right. Like the, the Chiefs can make that transition in the offseason, have an entire offseason to, you know, get Mahomes where they want him to be. I, I think it's kind of a. Uh, a funny thing that we do where we just think, Oh, the rookie, he's got to play at some point, but they're right. They're right not to play him just yet because Smith has shown us enough this year to deserve the chance to play it out the rest of the way and see what happens. I agree. Um, All right. Redskins saints. We started talking about that already. Uh, The saints running backs just do not disappoint. They just bring it every week, every single week. These guys bring it and Kamara made, you know, he PPR wise, he was doing fine. And then he caught that touchdown, that juggling touchdown late in the game. And and these guys just, you know, every week they're top 10. They're both. What are they on the season? I haven't looked at the updated rankings, but they're both they're What top seven PPR? Both of them. Yeah. I mean, uh, half point PPR on FanDuel. Ingram's at 16.1 points per game. Camaro's at 15.7 
and they're at 82 and 8100 respectively for uh, week 12. Tough game though. They're going to the Rams, right? Yep, they go yeah. to the Rams. Oh, Latavius Murray just dinged them up pretty good. So <laughs> that's true. So if if Latavius Murray can do it, then Ingram and Kamara can do it. Yep. Um, we talked about P Ryan. Uh, P Ryan is now a a big deal in fantasy because Chris Thompson broke his leg, and he stored to the last man standing. There's another guy there who you could make a statistical argument for, but P Ryan now. If you don't own him, he's he's got to be about near the top of your list this week. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it, it it could be the last good running back that gets multiple weeks as a starter. You might have other guys that emerge at some point down the stretch and get one or two starts or something like that. But with Pirine, I, I liked him a little bit as a prospect out of Oklahoma. I think he's better than Rob Kelly, so I was surprised he wasn't playing all along. I, my my concerns are more with the team. Like I'm. Still not like in on the Redskins. I know they they did well yesterday to uh, you know be in a position to force the Saints that to rally back in the fourth quarter in New Orleans, no less. But I I don't know something about Jay Gruden doesn't sit right with me, and and maybe now because he has to use P Ryan, he will. So those concerns should be reduced. But something just seems a little off with Jay Gruden, right? Uh, yeah, I I'm not. I don't know if he has the players. I'm not sure. Did you believe he went for it on fourth down from his own 16 yard line? It was insane. Fake I mean, like that, that kind of stuff is like actually cool. But I, I just some of the decisions he's made overall this year with personnel is, is what surprises me. And, and I know Terrell Pryor hasn't worked out and you know he didn't sign Terrell Pryor, but he probably wanted them to sign Terrell Pryor. And right. at least I guess if they don't like him to their credit, they're going somewhere else. And Josh Doxson's been playing a little more. So maybe I need to kind of wipe the slate clean, give him a chance for the rest of the season and then make the call as to whether or not I buy into his ability as a decision maker. Because a lot of what they did yesterday was was good and, and effective. And it really is a crappy news for Chris Thompson in particular, because he's had some pretty major injuries over the course of his career going back to college. Uh, hopefully he makes it back and, and can play again at a high level in 2018 because he was one of the uh, kind of feel-good stories of this season. Yep. Uh, okay, so P. Ryan is 34% owned on Yahoo, folks. So put in, I, I'm literally pressing the ad button. You know, it's funny, this, where I'm pressing the ad button was in a league that I thought about picking him up last week, and I said, I don't need him right now. Maybe I'll leave it alone, and th- there you go. That taught me a lesson. Oh, well. Because um, I would have had to drop, uh, Buck, you know, I should have dropped Buck Allen, but I couldn't make myself do it because I'm stupid. <laughs> the, the other guy I want to mention on Redskins, the, the other, the only other person in their backfield, for, as far as I can tell, is Byron Marshall. Now, Byron Marshall, I will not say I know much about him. He, they signed him off the, off the Eagles practice squad last week when Kelly got hurt. But Byron Marshall, in his junior year at Oregon, caught 74 passes. So... Is that maybe, I mean, for, I will tell you, for all I know, Byron Marshall could have been a, a wide receiver at Oregon, and I will look that up. But maybe there, if there's a pass-catching role, maybe that's it. I don't know. I mean, there's nobody left, right? I mean, other than Piran playing every snap. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. I, oh, I, I don't really think they're going to go out and, and get anybody of significance either. So I think, I think Piran is going to have an opportunity to play a lot 
in the final six games. Right. Um, change from running back to wide receiver. The Eagles had him at wide receiver. He, he was a wide receiver at Oregon who was now running back. But the Eagles changed him from running back to wide receiver, so he's been a little of both. But anyway, he can catch the ball. And he is, it, he is, his job description is Redskins running back. So <laughs> I'm just not saying you should pick him up. I'm just saying you never know. If, well, if there's a you never know here besides P. Ryan is that. He's the next guy. But yeah, the hands are, the hands are obviously something that he's, he's there for. Right. What he can do in the passing game, not really for what he does as a runner between the tackles yet. All right. Bill's charges. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time beating up on Nathan Peterman. <laughs> but that, all the Jay Peterman jokes on Twitter. Well done, everybody, by the way. They were very, they were fun. I think my favorite was that was the worst. That was the worst decision by Peterman since the Urban Sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Did anybody write like a a Peterman description in the form of the Peterman catalog? Not that I saw, but that would have been a really good idea. All right, maybe maybe I'll get on get to work on that. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, you have two hundred eighty characters now, so you can do it. I, I definitely could do it. It'll it'll probably be the thing I do right after we're done. <laughs> nice. The uh, the issue with Peterman is that the Bills think he's better than Tyrod Taylor. And, well, I don't know about a five-interception debut. Did something flash by on the screen on one of the channels, uh, I think about an NBC or something last night on their scroll, where it said, first five-interception game in starting debut since Keith Null? Was that, is that something I saw? <laughs> I didn't see that. I saw a Keith Null reference and I was like, whoa, like wow. they went deep for that. Like, I mean, I, I forgot. I said, yes, be, be very, very outraged. I forgot about Keith Null. Me too. That that ever happened. Like I saw the name and I was like, whoa, like he played in the NFL for a very brief period of time. And, uh, back in 2009, that's right. that he, yeah, he, 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 okay. So here, here's what it is. Peterman tied Keith Null for an NFL record with the five picks in his debut. That's brutal. And so this week, I mean, you know, the head coach McDermott said, the, said what you'd expect him to say after the game, you know, who's going to start next week? Oh, we're going to evaluate. Okay. I have a feeling that when he evaluates, he's not going to like what he saw with Nathan Peterman and that he's going to start Tyrod Taylor because he's, he can't, you can't look your team in the face and send that guy out there again. I, I don't think you can, but it really it, it's like it, it's so awkward it's so many it's like an it's like a, it's like a scene from the office where he has to stand there give the job back to the guy that he took it away from with minimal cause if, if you want to break down taylor and say he holds onto the ball too long and you want to have some some like legitimate analysis there are flaws he's not a top 10 real life quarterback he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback yeah, but he's good enough to start in the current NFL. Agreed. And he's better than Nathan Peterman is right now. Maybe Peterman bounces back from this and shows all the poise and maturity you would want from a, a young quarterback who just looked terrible in front of the world. And he learns from it and plays well someday. That's totally possible. Yep. Someday. But, Ty, but Tyrod Taylor has thrown three picks in 10 games this season. I know. But we Tim and I were talking about this last week that the. The, the complaints about Tyrod come with uh, there, there seem to be a lot of, 
hey, when you look at the tape, there's open receivers and he doesn't see them. So he's not making plays that are available to be made. He's a low-risk but low-reward guy. Like, I get it, right? now. You, I mean, you're, you're, to your statement, is he better than Nathan Peterman now? Well, apparently so. But there, you, I could also see reasons for wanting to move on from him. If these things, like I said, I'm not a big tape watcher, but if, if these things are the case, then you could see why they're, they're trying to see what they have for later, especially if they don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And if, if that's where they're at, I, I couldn't figure out why they decided to bring him back. I know the front office regime changed and there's a lot of a lot of uh, weird stuff going on in Buffalo over the past year. Fine. Like if, if that is the problem, if he is missing open reads, why even bring him back at all this year? And why? Why start him? Why not trade him at the end of camp or cut him loose and just make that move back in week one? Like, right. It's so stupid. If, if in their minds, after two full seasons, he was doing things that a, a rookie would, would do wrong, like missing open receivers, that then they're idiots for keeping him around at all this season because now they put themselves in an even worse situation by doing that. Right. All right. The other things in this game, uh, Keenan Allen, welcome back, big guy. 12 for 159 and 2 on 13 targets. Basically, Rivers threw to him a lot early and often. And we've been waiting for that because we were kind of getting a disappointing season out of Keenan Allen. And he's, he, the yesterday was a really nice um, step forward for him. The other one, uh, because it was a blowout, it's hard to get too much from the box score. Eckler was still valid. He, he scored a touchdown, which helped. But he didn't get the ball a ton. Melvin, that's still Melvin Gordon's backfield. Yeah, Melvin Gordon at least put up some numbers that made you feel a little better about his health. I know we talked about his knee on Friday and it was a step in the right direction, at yep. least. Absolutely. All right. Melvin Gordon, did he catch any passes? No, he did not. All right. The Bengals and Broncos. Ugh, I watched some of that. I was red zone watching. So this was a, I mean, it's just Brock Osweiler's just no good, obviously. Not a surprise to anybody. Uh, C.J. Anderson is, uh, C.J. Anderson's in some trouble here. Big trouble. Yeah. It's not, it's not looking good for C.J. Anderson. Nope. The other guys, the other guys getting. I don't have the snap counts, but Booker caught that the the carries were pretty even. Booker caught five passes, and that's his calling card. Um, so if you own C.J. Anderson, yeah, you got problems. Do you think he'll get another starting job, or do you think he's a backup after this season somewhere? I like him. I thought his issues had been that he got hurt too much, but you know, how long do you say that? I mean, now it's just that his workload keeps getting dinged up by a crowded backfield first four games this year he's over four yards per carry in every game he carried the ball 20 times uh in three of those contests and he was catching passes he had 10 pa- he had 10 receptions through four games right so he was, he was on pace to average like 4.4 yards per carry and catch 40 balls after his first four games that was against the chargers cowboys bills and raiders so a pretty decent snapshot of of defense is not like the four four of the eight worst defenses in the league or something like that. Yep. I don't know. So I think that, that's I, a usage I, problem for me. Like if, if you're a team like Tampa Bay and you, you don't want to draft a running back early and you could sign CJ Anderson as a free agent for four or $5 million I'm, or something like that, if he's affordable, I, I would do it. I'm absolutely in on that. Cause I think he's better than Doug Martin, for instance. Yeah. So yeah, I would like that. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's find CJ Anderson a home. Let's make that our off season job to help find CJ Anderson a place to go. Volunteering myself to become CJ Anderson's agent 
Yes, I'll be the social media director for CJ Anderson. And you can All be right, his so agent. And we are set. We'll take 1% less than his current agent. Um, and then you and I will just share whatever yeah. we're able to get him. Totally. All right, Pat's, All right. Pat's Raiders. Do you want to anything else about Bengals, Broncos you want to talk about? I mean, there's no. nothing. There's nothing Not really. in here. No, good. Let's move on. Um, Pat's Raiders. Who picked, who picked the Raiders in this one? My hand's raised. Oh, I got to look back, actually. It's weird how I forget who I picked against the spread because I don't have uh, money on it. It's like, you know, it's an internal contest. It's not like a I've got a hundred bucks on this game. I'd remember if I did. But (laughs) right um, now I'm creeping up in staff picks. I actually had. Why does it do that? Uh, I had I had the Raiders. uh, No, I, I had the Patriots covering. Okay, I was I was okay there. There was I saw and I should have saved this tweet. Someone sent out a tweet about the highest quarterback ratings of the last however many years. And, you know, it was so Aaron Rodgers won 15.3 and this guy, whatever. And then number six was all quarterbacks this year against the Raiders won 13 point something. Jeez. I mean, they're just getting shredded. And I know yesterday was Tom Brady, but they are getting completely shredded. And this week, this week, they're hosting Brock Osweiler. If you're looking for an argument to stream someone, good luck with you. I'm not going to do it, but there's an argument. You know what I mean? There is, a, well, there is an opposing yeah. team argument to do this with Brock Osweiler this week. Yeah, if you're looking for this week's Blaine Gabbert, guy that nobody really believes in that in DFS, you build a GPP lineup around and somehow it goes right. It, yeah, the Raiders, Dolphins, and Browns all have pass ratings allowed over 100, but you're right. The Raiders are at 113, so they are in their own own area right now. They don't have an interception as a defense. It's awful. And I thought they'd get better. You know, I thought their defense would get better. They, the last few years, they drafted some people. You know, Max, a pretty good guy to build around, and I just kind of thought their defense would get better this year. And and it's just they're they're such a disappointment. And I know some of the people, some, some people didn't like them coming in, thought they were overrated. I kind of thought, I didn't think they were as good as they looked last year before Carr got hurt, but I thought they'd be a solid team again. I thought their defense would improve and they've just been just bad. They have 14 sacks as a team. They're tied for the lowest total in the league with the Giants. And those are two teams that you thought, I mean, Khalil Mack alone, you thought could have 14 right. at this point in the season in a great year. Uh, but you, two teams that you'd expect to get plenty of sacks. I mean, the Raiders and Giants would be at least on that list as, I don't know, average teams in that regard. And right. the Giants, I would have thought, would be well above average. Other things in this game, Amari Cooper, disappointing, but got a garbage time touchdown. Um, Lynch was okay. I mean, the Raiders just weren't good, and Carr wasn't good. Um, Brady was tremendous. Deion Lewis was, was strong. Again, strong. That cutback on that touchdown catch was really, really nice. Deion Lewis continues to impress. I mean, if you had to start one Patriots running back every week for the rest of the season, he would be it. Uh, Burkhead versus White, though, would be kind of a, a fun toss up. It'd probably be Burkhead right now based on the usage from these last two games. OK, I'm, I'm looking at. I've got a snap count here. Is it official? Yes. Let's see, 14 hours ago, it says Deion Lewis 21, Burkhead 16, James White 15. So take that however you will. You got your Brandon Cooks game. Finally. Yeah, huge. I mean, it was, I it. It was an, uh, not an obvious, but it was one of those games where you said, you know, this, this would be the game. If he's going to break out, this would be the game. It sort of seemed too easy, and it was. 
for him. Yeah. It was uh, kind of a quiet Gronk week, though. Yeah. That's a bummer. It happens sometimes. I know. I think I feel like he has more quiet weeks than he used to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true. Yeah, that, that is one of those things that is it seems like it could be true, but you'd have to really like verify it. I mean, it's been well, he had a stretch of four straight with eighty or more yards. He scored four times in that stretch. That was the like week two to week five right. range, if my math is correct. So yeah, he's been kind of his last four, know. he's been kind of quiet. Under under sixty three times, only one score. Yeah, I, I, it's gonna be fine. All right. Yeah, I'm not panicking on Gronk. Okay. Um, Eagles Cowboys. Boy, that Eagles running back usage is odd. I mean, there's too I, many now. There's four so guys. Wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm watching the beginning of that game, and I turn it on a few minutes late, and I'm flipping a first drive, and I'm going, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, literally, like, okay, Ajay and Blunt and Corey Clement, and and you know. Let's see how this goes tonight. I'm like, oh, Barner. Huh. <laughs> what are you doing? You're killing me. Yeah, that, that's that's an extra weird twist. But I just I got I was so wrong about a I mean, I, I thought I thought the point of bringing him in was to not have to mix and match your personnel quite so much. They must believe in those players. Corey Clement must be a guy they like. I mean, before he had the, the core injury at Wisconsin, he looked like a pretty good follow-up to Melvin Gordon in uh, in their series of running backs, but I didn't think he was on Gordon's level or anything close to it as an NFL prospect talent was concerned. Uh, but clearly, the Eagles see something there that works for them, and you know, maybe it's all just a way of keeping everybody health for the playoffs, healthy for the playoffs. You're not relying so heavily on one back that if that back goes down, that you had a, a big shift. If you're using this timeshare, everybody's more efficient and. I don't know. I, it, it, maybe this is you know, the timeshare 2.0 is three or four backs instead of two. <laughs> right. And the, the Eagles are doing it and it's working for them. All right. So snap count, Blunt 30, Clement 19, Ajay 13, Barner 2, one of which was a touchdown for Barner. Um, so he's on field for two snaps, had a carry, a four-yard touchdown carry and a 22-yard reception. That's pretty efficient. Um, yeah, Ajay, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know. Like you said, it's, it's just – this is weird and it makes me want to run screaming from all of them. And Ajay's the guy that makes you, you that that's, that's a disappointing thing to do. Um, Alfred Morris wasn't terrible. <laughs> that's fair. I, he wasn't, I don't think, I don't think I have him anywhere me actually. Uh, so uh, his, his success doesn't help me and his failure only helps me. Yep. Boy, that throw and catch on Jeffrey's touchdown. Did you see that? No, Holy, I actually did not see you, that. You got us. I mean, it was fourth down, and when she, he just threw a bullet over the middle to the guy. I mean, I think it was fourth, fourth and one or fourth and two at something like the 20-yard line or maybe 15. It was somewhere in that area. And he just whipped one in there, and Jeffrey just you reached up and two guys all over him. It was great. It was He's just really he's talented great. yes he's, he's a very is. talented player mm-hmm. like it, it it was always weird to me i mean the part of it was just the quarterback play right like i, I he's talent wise is he a top 10 receiver or is he just outside he's very close he's close yes he's he's the big he's the big physical end of things but yes and then of course now he's got a quarterback that can actually like fully tap into his ability right and as much as i like carson wentz I don't know how much 
longer I'm going to be able to live with the TV announcers gushing over him so much. Like it's getting annoying. And I and I'm so much of it's justified. I'm not trying to take anything away from Carson Wentz. I really, really like him. But now we're gonna have to if the this Eagles role he, he's he's this year's Cam Newton from two years, you know, same thing two years ago and how great oh Cam Newton's match basically people wouldn't shut up about Cam Newton and that's where we are with Carson Wentz. Yeah, that's that's kind of the unfortunate uh, byproduct of a league that has a lot of bad quarterback play too. I think when we see a good quarterback now, we, we get a little goofy about it because there are so many bad ones, unfortunately. Right. But again, not, it's all deserved. I, mean, I, I love the guy. I think he's terrific. It's just now it's, you know, oh my, look at that. Guy, every, I mean, everything he does is the greatest thing that ever happened. So, so well, on the other side of this one, I mean, this should have been a, a matchup of, of two of the, the best quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the league, especially. That was an amazing catch by Jeffrey, by the way. Yeah. Um, by that point, I, I was kind of, you know, watching passively and just did never, never saw the, the replay on that because it was the last game of the day. But are, are you worried about Dak? Like from a, a, a production standpoint, short term like i i think talent wise he'll be fine in the long run like he's a starter i'm not i'm not looking at that as a situation where you know the cowboys should panic because dak has had a couple of rough games but is is the growing pain phase he's going to go through down the stretch one that leads you to look elsewhere fantasy wise instead of being a kind of a fringy one that you would start every week is he more of a two who you have to mix and match more carefully now I think let's so they're playing the Chargers this week, which is a tough game. They're playing the Redskins home the week after that. Then they go to the Giants. Oh, they go to Oakland. So there you go. Then they're home for Seattle. But he, I think he's the, he's a mix and match. I, I think look, there, there's many issues there. I I think the 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 Tyron Smith absence is more important than the Dak than the Zeke absence for him. Okay, I mean, even though Morris ran well, the statistics are good. He's not Ezekiel Elliott, you know, fine. The running game's not as good. It's still fine, but it's not as good. The Tyron Smith absence, hopefully he'll be back Thursday, is, is I think is a bigger issue. But I do think, and I thought last year, I, I liked him, and I thought some people didn't give Dak enough credit for, because of the situation he was in. You know, basically the guy, where he, when he'd pass, he would just stand there, you know? <laughs> he could just pick pick apart defenses because he never had to worry about anyone touching him. Um, as that changes, I, I mean, I still think he's pretty good, but he's he's not going to just tear it up either. So I do think that you're going to have he's the type's going to have to mix and match. The running ability is always going to be good for him, but I mean, is he kind of a big time passer? No, he's fine. I like him, but. Yeah, I, growing pains. I think you're right, and I think he's a mix and match guy right now, especially with Elliott out. Yeah, I, I think the the O line, as you said, Tyron Smith not being there is is a bigger issue because it it does it does reduce the number of clean pockets he gets. Yes, and and, and I think the other thing about Dak that it's again it's less about his skills. It, it's just not a good group of of receivers behind Des Bryant. Like they still older than dirt. Jason Witten. Like give him credit for still being out there and being able to play it's amazing what he's been able to do for as long as he's done it but you know the Bryce Butler Terrence Williams like that that crew that group behind Dez does not give Dak Prescott many mismatches you know like that's nope. 
That's right. one of those things where the Cowboys need to find a solution. They need to find a number two receiver, and they probably need to find a tight end who can actually get downfield a bit better than Witten can at this stage of his career. Right. So we are, we are going to see, as far as Dak goes here, we are probably going to see a little more this Thursday. If Smith's back, they, they've got a tough opponent. And they better hope Smith's back with the defensive ends that the Chargers have. But uh, with, Smith, with Smith back, presumably, we're going to see, we might learn a little more now about what, you know, basically what Dak does with his full offensive line. I mean, we, we're going to be able to see him, you know, it's a home game against a solid opponent. I think we're going to learn a little more. Um, Falcons, Seahawks. Uh, I mean, Tevin Coleman's the guy we all want to see tonight, right? To, he, he gets his shot at sort of the, you know, the lead role, and we see what he does with it against a pretty good D. Yeah, and I want to see how the Seattle secondary adjusts to the absence of Richard Sherman. Is yeah. there a way to expose that defense? And if anyone would know off the cuff anyway, I mean, Dan Quinn, having been there with his familiarity with their scheme and their personnel, maybe they've got a game plan cooked up where they can go and, and get a surprisingly good result. Right. Um, agreed. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we're going to see I mean, Julio's matchup is not so bad with, with the Seahawks uh, secondary hurting. We don't know how they're going to use them because we never know these days. I mean, it's getting better. I shouldn't say that. Uh, the Seahawks running game. Is Lacey playing? Did I read that? I thought I felt someone say Lacey was playing. Does it matter? Like, I mean, like, yeah. I guess they're getting, they're getting thin on personnel. Um, so that's part of it. But, yeah, he's supposed to play. And uh, he was not on the injury report on Saturday. So he's good to go. Uh, didn't play in the win over the Cardinals on Thursday. How many carries do you think he's going to get? He's, the season high is 11. Does he top that? No. Rawls will get his. Rawls and McKissick will get more. I don't think he gets 11. Yeah. I, I, wish, I wish one of those guys could establish himself between Lacey and Rawls and they could share the passing down work with McKissick. Like That'd be a duo you can live with, but as long as they're using three guys, it's really hard to rely on any of them. Agreed. Okay, folks. Listeners to our podcast get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you get check out nearly all the features on our site. Go check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Um, Derek, what do we got going on? Helping, helping. We, we're a little early to help people for week 12. Jake and I are going to have the, um, the pod tomorrow on Tuesday to do that. And Kevin Payne's got his free agent article coming up. Uh, when is that up? Tonight? Uh, early Tuesday morning for okay. that. I'm going to write up a Thanksgiving Day like mini DFS kind of thing. It's not even about the da- the daily sites as much as it's about playing like a snake draft style game with your family or your friends or nice. whoever you spend Thanksgiving with. I uh, write that up every year. That goes up probably around dinner time tonight. That's my goal is to have it up on Monday. I update it throughout the week. Uh, so everything you would want to know for, you know, what do I do? How do if I've got three people over that want to play in a league with me. How do I do it? Like I'll break it all down, give you some rankings, uh, offer up some beer recommendations, probably rank some pies also. Uh, what's your favorite pie? Uh, you know, I'm kind of boring. Uh, apple is, is usually pretty high on my list. And then if there is a, uh, you know, like a mixed berry option, those yeah. are a little harder to come by. That actually would check in at number one. So pending availability, mixed berry one, apple two. We have a killer pecan pie recipe. Yeah. Killer. It's uh, I'm, I'm two for two on pecan pie where I, I mean, I've only had it twice. I get it at barbecue places that have it because yeah. I would assume if they're going to make it, they know what they're doing. And yeah, it's it's I, I don't know you know, I'm at the point where I've only had two and they've been so good 
I wonder if there's a bad pecan pie, and I'm sure there is, but I, I'm like I'm not kind of like flying high on on that right now. See, some of them can be super duper sweet. It's the caro syrup, and the, mm. the recipe we've got it's from America's Test Kitchen, which I get a lot of stuff from, and they don't they do a non caro syrup basically. It, it, it's not sickeningly sweet, and it's really it's it's outstanding. I'm never changing. If someone says, "Oh, I got a pecan pie recipe," I go, "Yeah, no, I'm good." All right, so I, I yeah, I, I probably have that book. I got the the it's a huge book. It's like 16 years of their TV show recipes. Yep. This is a unsolicited PSA at the end. If you don't know like what you're doing with your food, even if you do, you should get the America's Test Kitchen cookbook. That yes. thing is amazing. Like everything I make out of there is at least good. It usually it comes out great, and I'm I'm not like advanced in terms of my cooking skills. Like I, I'm not an idiot in the kitchen, but I make food. And I'm like wow, like that that actually is good, and it's it's all because like the way they're just rigorous about how they they decide like the best possible methods to do stuff. And total win if you get that cookbook. It's like the really thick one. It's going to have I don't know, 16, 17 years worth of, of recipes in it. Yes, it's meticulous. Rigorous is a good way to put it because they try, you know, oh, we tried making these scrambled eggs 40 different ways. And here's what we yeah. found. I'm like, OK, I mean, if you're if you're into the analytics side of fantasy football, it could it, you might be in the right place. Well, yeah, they're just I mean, they're, just, they're they're making all of the mistakes people make trying to do it the right way and then telling you, like, nope, do it exactly this way. And if you follow it, it turns out great and it doesn't matter what it is it, it could be soup it could be dessert it could be something like beef stew thing i i've i've never made a thing out of that book and been disappointed in it you need to find baked ziti with cottage cheese my italian mother's in the other room and she always she can't believe i don't use ricotta cheese um <laughs> and uh what's the other one we talked about the pecan pie I believe you on the cottage cheese. I use that in uh, my lasagna mixture, yep. which is one of the few things I make that's not from that book. Yeah, super creamy. It's creamier, definitely. And the other meatloaf, meatloaf's really good. So yeah, check it the out. The meatloaf recipe in there is amazing. All right, there's an uns- there's an unsolicited plug for America's Test Kitchen <laughs> in the place where you'd least expect it. Like the, <laughs> in in the 81st minute of the Monday football podcast, we're talking about cooking. But if we're going to talk about cooking, this is the part of the show to do it. Absolutely. This is bonus time. This is this is overtime. Our last one, favorite side dish. If mac and cheese is there, that wins. It's not really like a traditional no. Thanksgiving food. Uh, stuffing for me. Yep, same. That's another one. We got the ours has. Uh, it's my wife's dad's. It's uh, it's got pineapple. It's got pimentos. It's interesting. Oh, pineapple too. Wow, I haven't, I haven't had that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Nice little sweetness added to it. All right, everybody, if you want those recipes. Tweet us. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhalpin37. Um, again, thanks for the reviews and the ratings. We appreciate them. Keep them coming. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast sponsored by FanDuel. We're going to be back Tuesday. Jake Latarski and I are going to talk about Samaj P. Ryan and other free agents you might want to target before week 12. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.